This is a special podcast of Uncommon Sense for 3 FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with curator at the Heidi Museum, Kendra Morgan, on the exhibition that they've put together called Charles Blackman Schoolgirls. Blackman is a pioneering modernist Australian artist still alive today and he painted these works in the early 1950s and was really at the forefront of modernism in Australia. You're listening to 3RRFM and this is Amy with Uncommon Sense. And uh, we have our final interview for today and it's a really good one to cap off a very thoughtful day. Um, And uh, it's about the Charles Blackman exhibition at the Heidi Museum of Modern Art. And I have with me to discuss this exhibition, Kendra Morgan, the curator of the exhibition. Thanks for joining me, Kendra. Thanks for having me on the program, Amy. Uh, It's a pleasure. And I'll just have you come a little bit closer and bring the mic up a bit, if you could. That would be great. Thank you. So um, this exhibition, it is a... I don't know, it seems like a fairly big landmark exhibition in a sense because it brings together so many of um, a man's series, an, an artist's series that you really don't see together or haven't seen together before in in this scale. How many paintings are there um, as part of the Schoolgirls series in this exhibition at the Heidi? Well, there are 56 paintings in the exhibition, so it did take a while to track them all down. A lot of them are in private collections. Um, and the exhibition the theme of schoolgirls was actually Blackman's first kind of sustained sequence of work as a very young artist so no this is definitely the first time that uh, anyone's attempted to kind of bring them together and you know assess them as a a complete series although I wouldn't call them a kind of coherent series as such they're more kind of diverse clusters of works that are united in the sense that they're on the one theme Mm. Um, they're quite experimental in fact yes because they have um, a motif that is I guess varied throughout all of these paintings and as you say some of them um well they are in clusters because they have similar visual um approaches in them so um one kind of cluster um that i found particularly beautiful um one of the paintings belonging to that is schoolgirl at kuyong and that some of the um things that made that really um i guess clear that it was part of a series or part of a cluster within that was the colouring of it, which was so bright blue. It was this, but it's it's kind of like a, um, I think you say azure blue and, and this really um, beautifully strong pink salmon colour that... Um, you know, it's definitely not naturalistic um, and that's not the point. It's the colour really does bring out, um, the, it contrasts the the, the actual uh, subject that's depicted, which is a schoolgirl walking home, presumably from school. Her, her um, head is downcast. She looks a bit um, despairing, um, but you don't know um, really what her, I guess, demeanour is apart from the body language that she's got. But then these beautiful roses um, behind the, fence and um, and this backdrop that is quite um, desolate for Kuyong um, mm. and it it is really quite striking um, to see his use of color that um, you know pink and blues and and just the I guess um, as you say expressionistic um, use of of representation because it's w- it's not cartoon-like, but it is very um, bold in it in his use of line and in his use of, um, you know, 
bold colours, but also the, th- the thickness of lines and the dynamism that's in it. You can kind of see the person moving or the girls holding hands. Um, and, and it is really quite a, an avant-garde and experimental, um, you know, way of painting for the 1950s and shows just, I guess, that he was part of this. In terms of your, um, you know, researching and looking back on his contribution to early like modernism in in the sense of its development and obviously modernism is a very broad um, topic with many styles within that and movements but what was um, what was Charles Blackman's place within this when he was working um, at this t- at this point that the exhibition is showing in the 19 early 1950s sure well there's a yeah there's a few things to talk about there um, Blackman came to Melbourne from Sydney where um, he in 1951 and he'd had an art cadetship at the Sydney Sun newspaper so it's interesting that you commented on his graphic style and the slightly cartoon like quality which you do see in some of the work but he was really an inheritor I guess to the um, tradition of the avant-garde artists who came to the forefront of Melbourne um, modernism in the 1940s in terms of being part of the circle of artists um, who came under you know came in the I guess orbit of Heidi so John and Sunday Reid who were the founders of Heidi Museum were clearly art benefactors and they supported artists like Sidney Nolan, Arthur Boyd, Joy Hester, Albert Tucker, John Percival and Danila Vasiliev and all of those artists had kind of had an influence on Blackman's work when he first came to Melbourne he was exposed to the artworks by those artists through John and Sunday's collection in fact he knew some of them Vasiliev um, you know was still around and came to his studio and offered guidance John Percival he knew Arthur Boyd he knew and he worked with John Percival, didn't he? And kind of carried his paints around on weekends. <laughs> yeah, they painted together outdoors at Williamstown a little later. But also yeah. Arthur Boyd and John Percival gave him technical advice. And the painting that you were just discussing um, has enamel like house paint and because mm. um, he was very poor Blackman so he couldn't afford artist qualities paint but also tempera which they helped him to make himself from you know a recipe from an artist manual using um, egg yolks and pigments and that gives it its chalky that lovely chalky mm. quality that you were talking about in the pink so um, he was in many ways you know part of this um, you know spirited modernism of the 40s continuing it on into the 50s and certainly was strongly influenced by those artists associated with Heidi Nolan in particular was another, um, you know, strong kind of formative um, influence on Blackman. He's been has seen a show of Nolan's in Brisbane in 1948, and it had a really made a really strong impression on him. And there are quite a few kind of Nolan, um, Im, you know, imagery. There's quite a lot of Nolan imagery throughout the early Schoolgirls um, mm. series. That's true. And some people may know Sidney Nolan's work from his Ned Kelly series, which is probably one of the most iconic in terms of um, well-known works by Sidney Nolan and series, which you can see at the NGA in Canberra. I saw that twice. Um, But as you say, it does have um, a lot of similar, uh, I guess, ways of depicting things. So, you know, there's a lot of um, not necessarily desert landscapes, but desolate and um, and industrial and, um, you know, inner city, but uh, terrace houses that kind of look a bit empty and quiet and, um, and, yeah, I guess 
it it's a bit surprising when you think about nineteen the nineteen fifties and and Melbourne and Sydney and the kind of places that he's portraying, but he's stripping back the people and the other activity, and then bringing in these schoolgirls into those scenarios, which, you know, he wasn't necessarily painting from life for most of the time. He actually ended up having to paint from memory. That's right. Because as he said, it's kind of a bit weird to have a guy, you know, studying Observing children, of course. Yeah. Mm. And, um, but, you know, this was not just about schoolgirls necessarily and, you know, that schoolgirls were an important uh, you know, demographic in Australia, that's not necessarily the point. As you say, there are a lot of um, metaphors that the schoolgirl uh, subject brings out in um, in Blackman's paintings. Well, Blackman, um, yes, I'd say the, the paintings are in many ways a metaphor for his state of mind at the time. And there are a few things going on there. One was that, you know, he was a new artist struggling in a new environment. And in fact, Melbourne was a bit more industrial and not so perhaps picturesque in, in the 50s. And um, certainly those settings, you know, with the factories and brickworks and so forth of Richmond and Burnley do give a, um, you know, a kind of quite desolate, you know, as you said, um, Ambience to some of those paintings, and it's quite sparse and stage-like too, just with one or two figures. But Blackman had quite a solitary childhood himself, and, and was working through that in the paintings in some ways. Although he had three sisters, and he was certainly interested in the feminine psyche as a subject as well. Having grown up with three sisters and um, and his mother, his father abandoned the family when he was four. His mother was actually a compulsive gambler, and at times she had to put the children in into foster homes when she couldn't cope. So he did feel quite isolated as a child and alienated. And I certainly think that comes through quite clearly in some of the paintings. And there's in fact a room full of works in the exhibition which are paintings of children, including self-portraits of Blackman as a child. So they're not schoolgirls as such, they're other children at play. And they have a really fascinating sense of psychological detachment in some of those. Mm. There's either single children absorbed deeply in their imaginative world or activities, or there are groups of children who are all kind of involved in some kind of activity but not actually interacting with each other which I found very you know intriguing when I was curating the exhibition. Yeah because well let's kind of um, discuss some of those um, I guess interactions or non-interactions in the paintings. Um, there are some where um, you either don't see their eyes because they're looking down um, or they, they've got a bouquet of flowers in front of their face um, or they are looking away um, or they're looking uh, or they're lying flat um, or they don't have eyes, uh, which a couple of them in, um, I think, like when you walk in, it's to the right of that room. I was struck by that as well, that um, it wasn't necessarily about any kind of individuals or, um, you know, even kind of individuals having specific characteristics. Um, there are even some schoolgirls that are just kind of silhouettes, um, which takes away all of that individuality. What um, do you think was behind this particular way of portraying these schoolgirls and what do you think that it really shows? Um, well, I think that obscuring their identities universalises them so they become not, you know, individualised specifically. There's a, a broader message there. But also, fascinatingly, um, when Blackman moved to Melbourne, he came with Barbara Patterson, his partner, who beca soon became his wife, and she suffered from optic atrophy since birth and eventually um, went blind. In fact, her vision was failing very rapidly in the early 1950s and Blackman was having to kind of um, become her eye 
advise and describe the environment to her and, um, you know, help her through various situations. And a lot of those references that you made to the eyes being shadowed or, you know, masked sometimes or obscured by the schoolgirl hats, to me, um, you know, indicate that he was trying to express something about Barbara's situation and her blindness and in fact if you look at the paintings a lot of them emphasise sensations other than sight so you know the girl holding the bunch of flowers she's smelling its perfume in fact it's called perfume quite a few of the girls hold hands um, it's about touch or they embrace um, or they put their hand to their hat and you know there's so it's really fascinating mm. that and it's quite a strong theme that um uh, Chris Wallace Crabb, the the poet who, uh, you know, an academic and writer who wrote one of the catalogue essays picked up on, he and I were discussing it when after he saw the exhibition for the first time, he said, I really feel there are so many references to blindness. It's quite um, fascinating. It is, yeah. And and then we go to, I guess, the next um, iteration of his Schoolgirls series, which it gets, like the canvas gets larger, it becomes more monochromatic. So it's kind of charcoals and dark, darkly lit settings. And, you know, you almost think that schoolgirls probably shouldn't be in this environment because it's a bit scary. I got a bit scared looking at one of them with a big clock tower, um, you know, beaming down with its light. Um, but then there's they become floating. So there's one like floating schoolgirl. Um, what what do you see as to that development? Because he does move from, you know, he's still using bold colour in some way, like it's still very bold and very, um, you know, blanket. And, and he does mostly use enamel, which is one of the things I was querying and then sometimes brings in oil um, at times, but not that often. Um, how how does he actually like what is this next iteration when you move into the next room so from the first to the directly straight after and you see these really large kind of monochromatic schoolgirls images what do you see is that in in kind of terms of the context of the full schoolgirls oeuvre well for, first of all i guess that because the series was um, you know the first sustained kind of thematic sequence of work he did the first initial works are quite experimental that were done in 1952-53 and then he kind of hits his stride and I see those later monochromatic works from most of them are from 53-54 as really Blackman um, shaking off the influences of the other artists and finding his distinctive voice and those have quite you know surrealist kind of qualities that you see in his later work um, they are a larger scale again he moved he actually worked on really quite a large scale after the 50s moving into the 60s and there they have a you know a haunting quality a very strong and dramatic use of um, light and shade and chiaroscuro effects, which you also see as part of his mature style. So he's finding his distinctive iconography and his distinctive approach. And as, um, you know, you've kind of indicated earlier in the series, the schoolgirl is often, you know, alone in this desolate setting. She's kind of like this symbol of innocence in the treacherous city. And in the later work, sometimes she's, there's a sense of, you know, narrative again beyond the frame, but like with mm. the floating schoolgirl, she almost is like a predatory figure herself. So it's a bit of role reversal going on and yeah. that work in, is meant to be the, the the kind of ultimate you know final work in the series although the schoolgirl motif became for Blackman like the black square mask of Ned Kelly for Nolan he returned to it it was like a touchstone that he came back to at various times throughout his career mm. so I, I definitely see those later works as being you know very um, evocative of, of um, Blackman's you know individual style coming through the emergent hallmarks of his mature style yeah because I mean the the floating schoolgirl really takes up the picture plane a great deal and her arm 
arms are so long and in really unnatural poses that as you say it's kind of she's predatory like she's taking up the space she's you know morphing into something other than a schoolgirl, really um mm. but she still looks like a schoolgirl. so it's just when you take a step back and go gosh that's like a really <laughs> awkward position that no one could hold their arms in and certainly they're about double the length of her body if you mm. she's quite spectral and hallucinatory and, and you know blackman's next major series was alice in wonderland and of course that's a levitating figure and there are a lot of levitations and surrealist kind of twists in that series so it's mm. looking forward to you know how he evolved his um depiction of the figure in 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 a short time frame after the schoolgirls. Yeah, and let's talk about how it was received because um, the in the catalogue it references a Mianjin um, review, uh, and I pu- pulled it up actually um, to to read it, and I found it so fascinating because. Um, it's talking about, well, I'll, re- I'll read a little bit out um, that I think is quite revealing. Uh, this is by, is it Alex McCullough? Alan McCullough. Alan McCullough. Mm. So he says, um, for it is true that post-war students have shown a regrettable, although quite understandable tendency to scurry for the shelter of the nearest payable cliche. Not so Blackman. He seems to feel constantly that there is an immense amount of work to be done in one all too short lifetime. There is no time here for relaxation and that he really is punching way above his weight as a person in his early 20s who is you know experimenting and having his first show in his um, small kind of shed slash cabin in the back of a mansion in um, Hawthorne. Hawthorne yeah and and these um, you know art people of Melbourne come and say, wow, this person um, actually could be, leave a lasting impression in Australia. And it's quite impressive because he does. Um, But what, you know, this is a positive reception to Charles Blackman, but he wasn't always understood and his um, series wasn't always quite received in the way that, um, you know, people like um, John and Sunday Reed, you know, received him and, and his colleagues. Mm. What was what was a general population's reception well, of his work? Well, pretty critical because um, Blackman was really self-educated as an artist. So he had the, the art cadetship for a short time at the Sydney Sun and had been a copy boy before then and he'd done some, you know, night classes and painting, but he kind of mostly taught himself. And so he was considered untutored, which is why John and Sunday Reed liked him because they saw him as an authentic voice. Um, but he, in terms of, you know, the, you know, I guess, emphasis on academic training and so forth that was still prevalent in the 1950s. He was considered, you know, quite an artist who really had no background. And when he first exhibited schoolgirl paintings in his, um, the very first solo exhibition he had at a commercial gallery in May 53 at Peter Bray Gallery, he had included in in the exhibition a number of drawings and one of them was not of a schoolgirl, it was of a swimmer, like a a man who looks like he's foundering in the sea off St Kilda Pear. And the drawing of that work was delivered deliberately crude and rudimentary to give it an expressive quality but the other critics Alan McCulloch there being the exception picked up on this and said that he couldn't draw that you know and that, that it actually created quite a controversy that drawing because Alan McCulloch reproduced it in his positive review of the show and many people wrote letters to the editor saying you know what are you on about Blackman can't draw to save himself that's a terribly crude you know awful image and um, that that really was the kind of mainstream reaction not many mm. people understood what he was trying to do there was and you know the the 
predominant tradition in Australian art at that time was still landscape painting, you know, or portraiture or still life. And the idea that subjective experience and expressing, you know, kind of emotional, you know, ideas in art was still relatively new, you know, that had been had come through in the 1940s and Blackman was continuing that, but the, the general reception was pretty negative. Yeah. And... Then if you're looking at, you know, his commercial um, viability as an artist, if he's not getting this kind of, you know, glowing public reception in general, um, how did he manage to produce such a huge amount of works that are, you know, really quite significant? Well, he um, certainly was prolific, as that interview indicates. And I guess he had, I think he said something like, you know, once the floodgates open, you can't help yourself. And that, you know, the paintings just came out over about 18 months to two years. He produced an extraordinary number of paintings and drawings, you know, Mm. probably hundreds of drawings, to be honest. And some of them are absolutely fantastic and in the exhibition. But, um, you know, he didn't sell anything. I think the Reeds and um, Danila Vasilia, fellow artists, were the only people that brought anything. So a lot of the schoolgirls stayed with Blackman until the 70s by which time his reputation had been established and then they started to come on the market and people started to purchase them so they weren't understood at the time and that was very common you know for artists of modernist artists yeah no, no market and there were no dealer galleries really in Melbourne in the 50s very few it wasn't till the 60s that that whole commercial arena took off mm. and so then when you're putting together an exhibition like this which really does bring together the most number of this kind of of work with the motif of a schoolgirl. How do you um, bring so many um, paintings from and charcoal drawings um, from disparate sources, including private collectors um, who you may not know actually own these pieces? Like what was your approach as a curator and how long did it take you to really um, shape this exhibition and actually acquire for borrowing um, these works? Mm, well, ideally you need you do need two or three years to work on a show like this. I had a bit of a shorter time frame um, in between other projects, but it did take a lot of sleuthing and I enlisted the help of a lot of auction houses and gallerists and um, agents who purchase artworks for collectors to help me with the research. And I also went through the sales records of various commercial galleries and, but of course, a lot of the works were sold in the 70s and people who bought them at that time, as it turned out, a lot of them still owned their schoolgirl paintings, which is wonderful, but they didn't necessarily live in the same house that they had in, you know, 1974 or so forth. So, there was a lot of writing of letters and in the end we did um, in December when I was really keen to get as many of the first pa- first schoolgirl paintings that were exhibited in 53 together as possible, we resorted to social media and that was fantastic. We had such a great response. We found, um, uh, we put one work on Instagram, which I only had a black and white illustration of and a, a woman rang me and said, oh, you've got my mother-in-law's painting on Instagram. And I said, oh, would she like to lend it to the show? And the family were lovely and we were able to borrow that one. And we found another one through social media too that had, gone with Blackman to London, been sold through Christie's and by a various trail, you know, that it was, I led to a dead end, but we, it, 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 what eventuated was that it was in the West Farmers corporate collection in Perth. So that's right. in the exhibition too. Interesting. Yeah, so social media was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. And also just um, finally, the Heidi, like given that John and Sunday were collecting these works, you have your own significant permanent collection. What kind of works does the Heidi 
own and have of Charles Blackman and particularly the schoolgirls, but I did see some of his other works in Heidi Number 1. Mm. Heidi has a really great, strong collection of Charles Blackman's work, particularly from the 50s, which was the decade that he lived in Melbourne. And because the Reeds were acquiring them, he gave them works as well. They supported him by giving him, um, you know, paying a few of his bills, paint, giving him painting materials, and they also purchased works and he made gifts of works. So many of those have come to the Heidi collection from the reeds um, by purchase or bequest and then um, we do have two very very strong schoolgirl paintings and a beautiful drawing which in fact were the, the works that um, really inspired me to curate the exhibition just on schoolgirls because I thought there must be some other um, you know re- very beautiful and captivating images out there. Yeah well there are. <laughs> <laughs> then this exhibition really highlights it so well and is curated beautifully in terms of the movement of it and the, the order and the way things are put together so congratulations. Well, thanks, Amy, and thanks for taking such a strong interest in it. You obviously look really closely at the paintings and the drawings and it was really wonderful to hear your responses to them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I really got into it and um, and I got that emotional expressiveness that I think he was trying to get across. So I'm hoping that we can get people along um, to check out this exhibition and there's also an Art by Twilight coming up at the Heidi, which uh, people should check out. Is it this Saturday? Yeah, it's Saturday night and it's actually yeah. lovely to come come out to Heidi in the evening mm. and um, uh, the weather looks good, the weather Perfect, forecast yeah. and, um, you know, you'll be able to buy drinks and something to eat and it's a beautiful chance to see the exhibition in a slightly quieter atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. And there's some triple R um, music DJs there who will be playing some nice ambient music to match the exhibition. So, yeah, do get along. Um, highly recommend it and Heidi's just a beautiful place to hang out anyway. So Thank you, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at this time of year, it's gorgeous out there. It is perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be my second home. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Kendra, for joining us. And uh, we'll keep an eye on things. And, um, yeah, the Heidi exhibition for Charles Blackman Schoolgirls runs until... June the 18th. So you have time and you can go back and see it again. Yeah, and a few public programs and talks and workshops coming up too. So Definitely. thanks so much. A pleasure. And you've been listening to the Uncommon Sense podcast. I'm Amy Mullins, the host of this show on 3RRR. You can listen in every Tuesday in Melbourne at 9am till 12pm. And if you are elsewhere, you can listen online through the RRR website. Hope to see you again next time.